This is Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. On April 3rd, 1968, thousands of people gathered at the historic Mason Temple in Memphis, Tennessee, to hear Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. deliver what later became known as his most profoundly prophetic speech, I've Been to the Mountaintop. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. And so just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. what will happen now we've got some difficult days ahead but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop I don't mind like anybody I would like to live a long life longevity has its place but I'm not concerned about that now I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Dr. King had come to Memphis to speak in support of sanitation workers who'd gone on strike after the death of two workers who were crushed by a malfunctioning truck. The evening of the following day, the iconic civil rights leader was assassinated while standing on the second floor balcony outside his room at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis. This historical reality serves as the contextual backdrop to Pulitzer Prize and Olivier Award-winning playwright Katori Hall's The Mountaintop. The play serves as a fictional reimagining or a surrealistic fantasy about King's last night at the Lorraine Motel after that speech and a chance encounter with a mysterious maid who brings him a cup of coffee. Through their roller coaster ride of a conversation, the woman prompts Dr. King to confront his life, his past, his legacy, and the plight and future of the civil rights movement and his people. The play was first produced in London before coming to the States, where a 2011 Broadway premiere production starred Samuel L. Jackson, making his Broadway debut, and co-starring Angela Bassett. And now the Florida Repertory Theater in Fort Myers is mounting a production of The Mountaintop. Performances began this week and run through January 14th. The play stars award-winning actor Daniel Morgan Shelley in the role of Dr. King, Shelley won the 2019 SALT Award for Leading Actor in a Professional Play for his work in a production of Possessing Harriet. The Juilliard-trained performer was last seen on the Florida Rep stage in a production of August Wilson's Fences and in Play Lab readings of Berta, Berta, and Damascus. And aside from his extensive theater credits, Shelley has appeared in at least four films as well as television programs, including Mr. Robot, 
the blacklist, Madam Secretary, Blue Bloods, and Law and Order, among others. His co-star in the role of Kamei is actor, writer, and director Hope Ward. Her recent stage credits include the title role in Baltimore Center Stage's production of Antigone and an off-Broadway production of Bundle of Sticks at the Intart Theater in New York. And you may have also seen her in the Amazon Prime productions of Love My Roomie, Hawks Ridge, as well as HBO's hit series Succession. And joining me now in studio is director of the Florida Raps production of The Mountaintop, Ansley Valentine. His many awards include a 2014 Telly Award for his film Unchanging Principles, a Kennedy Center gold medallion for his work promoting college and university theater nationwide, as well as numerous Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival certificates of merit for direction, choreography, and costume design. He's a member of the Stage Directors and Choreographers Society and the Actors' Equity Association. His acting and directing credits have taken him to theater companies all across the country. And he holds a Master of Fine Arts degree in directing from Indiana University. He's also a graduate of the Arts Midwest Minorities in the Arts Administration Fellowship and co-founder and the producing artistic director of Ohio Youth Ensemble Stage, a professionally managed summer youth theater program that celebrates diversity, inclusion, and equal opportunity for all students, no matter their ability. And he currently heads the graduate directing program at Indiana University Bloomington. Ansley Valentine, welcome to Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition. Thank you for having me today. And to engage with us and your fellow listeners about this conversation or any of our shows, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. On X, formerly known as Twitter, we're at WGCU using the hashtag GCL. So to start off, tell me a bit about your past experience with this play. Have you acted in or directed previous productions of The Mountaintop? Well, actually, I, I have. I uh, A few years ago, we at Indiana University had a uh, symposium about 1968. And so we did a, a reading of the play at that time. And I thought, wow, this is just such a fantastic piece. And then I w- had the great opportunity to direct it for Constellation Stage in uh, Bloomington, Indiana. It's our professional theater that's there. And so I'm really having a wonderful time being back down here and having a chance to come back and, and look at the play again. Yeah. Uh, the playwright Katori Hall has a pretty interesting connection to Dr. King, in particular pertaining to the night before his assassination through her family. Her mother, they lived around the corner from the Lorraine Motel, and she wanted to go see Dr. King speak. Oh, yeah, and that's her right. her grandmother wouldn't let her, saying it's not going to be safe. You know they're going to try to bomb that church, so she didn't go. And then it was just this big regret that you she know, didn't get to go. Yeah. And so in a way, this was kind of like Katori Hall writing her mother into that hotel room in a sense. You know, I think the character Kamei exemplifies so much and, and, and we'll get more into that. Um, but tell me a bit about the playwright's portrayal of Dr. King through this play. And I ask because I know she initially uh, took some flack for for not glossing over or emitting some of his human flaws. Um, like I know there's at least one reference to a possible marital infidelity, for instance. Oh, sure. Well, to me, I, I think the thing I like about the play most is that it focuses on the fact that he is just a man, that he's not uh, the saint that, uh, you know, that I think we often think of Dr. King as being, you know, so that, that it really is a, a play about his humanity and that he does have flaws. Now, certainly, you know, they could have been, you know, like more 
uplifted or or more highlighted. But I, I think it's really the play is really about the power that that even an ordinary person has to make a difference in the world, and the fact that you know we do get to hear about his shortcomings as a man and, and as a leader. Do you think it makes Dr. King maybe more accessible? Like, yes, he did extraordinary things, but he had doubts, he had fears to overcome, and you can also do extraordinary things. No, absolutely. And I, I ultimately, I think that that is the, the message of the play, that, you know, that you don't have to be somebody uh, anointed or whatnot to be able to make a difference and to to do extraordinary things in service of the people in the world. Can we talk about the character Kame? And, and there's kind of a big reveal, but we're not going to talk about that during this yeah. conversation. I don't want to ruin the performance for anybody. But early on, when she comes in the room, she kind of indicates that she's seen Dr. King on TV at Woolworths. Kind of indicative. She doesn't have a TV at home. She's poor, working class. She's not educated like he is. What does she represent in terms of Dr. King's vision, or just you know the black experience in the 1960s? Oh, sure. Well, I you know I, I think Kame is really there to represent like here's here's just you know the the people as anybody would be of like oh my gosh I'm getting to meet this big celebrity and here it is you know she's a young girl and it's my first night of work and wow I'm getting to meet Dr. King and uh the conversation that they have I, I think is is indicative of like like what many of us would have if we had an opportunity to meet somebody we thought oh my gosh I'm you know I'm a big fan of yours and then you see like oh well you're just a person you know and so I think what's really great is that Camay you know, through their conversation, I think really opens his eyes to a lot of things that that maybe he, you know, hadn't thought about or, you know, had just sort of taken for granted. Perhaps in that same vein, do you think Kame comes to represent you know, other ideas within the civil rights movement at that time? I mean, she rails a bit against the peaceful demonstration approach of King just because she's tired of waiting. Change isn't coming fast enough. Maybe violence is, you know, it's the only thing white people will respond to. I mean, do you get the sense that she's perhaps channeling Malcolm X a bit? Or I don't think he's directly referenced. Oh, actually, they they do talk about Malcolm X in the play. So, yes. I mean, I I think, uh, you know, again, she is, you know, trying to give different perspectives. And certainly, like, all those perspectives existed during the civil rights movement. So I, I don't know that she's, you know, sort of inventing anything that's not there. But, you know, obviously with a play with, with only two characters, you know, there has to be some conflict between them or some opportunity to see like, okay, well, what are, are some opposing ideas so we actually have something to talk about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, given Dr. King's skills as an orator, I, I would have understood if Katori Hall wound up getting the character into that kind of public address mode. But she really doesn't do that, does she? Uh, well, there, there, we do get to hear some of his uh, speech. And actually, in our production, we we play a bit from the mountaintop speech. But there's also a couple of other places in the in the play. Actually, the play begins where he is working on the text of uh, of a speech that he's going to give that, you know, eventually we do get to hear. So we do, you know, there's, I think there's no way to talk about Dr. King and not have the sense of, oh, well, what, what are his rhetorical skills? What, 
was his ability to take language to help motivate people uh, and to put ideas into action. If you're just joining the show, I'm speaking with Ansley Valentine, the director of Florida Repertory Theater's currently running production of Katori Hall's The Mountaintop. If you would like to comment on our conversation or engage with fellow listeners, find us on Facebook, we're at WGCU Public Media, or on X, we're at WGCU. Again, use the hashtag GCL. In an interview, Angela Bassett was was talking about the Broadway production of the play she starred in and noted that a biographer of Coretta Scott King had come to one of the performances and was really excited about you know something you see in the play where Dr. King gives artificial flowers to his wife because that was something that really happened. Now, that's not something that everybody in the audience is going to know, but are there more of those kind of Easter egg kind of moments like like – Small things maybe everybody's not going to get, but they were part of the true story. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's an incredible amount of things that are in the play. I, I wish we could have a sort of a drama guide after that. It's like, okay, well, here are all the things that actually happen. So I think even some of the things that people think, well, that's kind of impossible. They actually are things that, that did happen. Okay, so Katori Hall did her homework. <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. And I'm going to ask you to wax poetic about your actors for a minute here. Is this really a test of their stamina? And I mean that in multiple ways. It's roughly an hour and a half long. It's just the two of them with this intense tennis match style, back and forth dialogue. There's no intermission. But also, you know, it, it's not a feel-good holiday show. It's not a lighthearted comedy. I mean, the roles they're stepping into, there's a lot of weight behind them. And I feel like doing this night after night and, and sometimes multiple times a day if there's a matinee can, can take its toll. Oh, sure. Well, I, I will say there, the play is very funny. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes. You know, there, there are, you know, I don't want folks to think, oh, this is, you know, very dour. You know, it's actually very, very funny in, in many places. And, and yes, I mean, it is, a, it is a, a tour de force performance to think that, all right, these two people have to hold the stage. And, you know, I, I would say that the language skills required are the same as you would have if you were doing classical text. So it's great to have these two, you know, great, wonderfully trained actors because they can take the language that that is written to sound like just everyday dialogue and actually lift it up to the point that it's like, oh, well, this, you know, it's it's poetry, really. And, you know, we do get a very hopeful message at the end of the play. So I, I think it, you know, one might think, well, gee, is this is a kind of thing to see this time of year. And I think it is because it it really, I feel that when you walk out, you do feel inspired and you feel hopeful. And for those who are old enough to re- have remembered what Dr. King was like, it brings you back to like, oh, well, there is, uh, there are things that, that I can do. And it's just as good of a message at the at the holiday time, I think, as as uh, you might find in Christmas Carol or any of our other traditional holiday plays. Yeah, that's something else that you had touched on that I, I for years now I've had many opportunities to speak with you know black youth here in Southwest Florida at various events honoring Dr. King, and this is just anecdotal, but I get the sense that when it comes to the kids. They have this idea that this was long, long ago history. But, I mean, many of his contemporaries are still with us today. And, and, you know, folks like Harry Belafonte or John Lewis, we've just lost relatively recently. This is not that long ago. 
No, no, not at all. This was, uh, you know, within our lifetimes. As a matter of fact, my mother told me that I started to walk on the day that King was assassinated. Really? Yes. So I was about, a, you know, a, you know, 18 months old, uh, 15 months old at that point. You know, so it, it really is within the lifetime of, of many folks, and it's not, not long ago history at all. Yeah. Well, in terms of history and, and current events, we're here in Florida. The Department of Education this year um, approved history standards that teach that enslaved people benefited from skills they may have learned while enslaved. Books that address racism are being removed from school library shelves. Whether or not Florida students will be able to take the Advanced Placement African American History course remains to be seen, and that was a big controversy last year. Funding for diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives at public colleges and universities has been banned here. The NAACP is among many organizations that have actually issued travel advisories to Florida because of what's going on in our politics and in our schools. Did this give you any pause about coming here to do a production of The Mountaintop or conversely, where you're like, nah, Florida needs this more than anybody right now? <laughs> well, you know, honestly, I, I did ask, you know, the the artistic directors at, at the theater of like, hey, well, what's what's the situation there? I, you know, I've heard heard these things and, you know, they assured me that, no, you know, here in Fort Myers and in our audience, we, you know, we believe people are going to be very supportive uh, of this project. And, you know, it seems to be that that they have been. And I, I agree that, you know, I think one of the things that's really most powerful about theater is it gives us the opportunity to talk about difficult things and uh, important things and to get people to to think about them in a way that, you know, sort of having an academic discussion may not inspire them. So, yes, I, I think folks need to see the show. I think they need to hear the message. And I think, if nothing else, I hope it inspires people to say, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of merit in really looking at this period of history and to, to really like look at some of these issues as they were then and how it is that they apply to our lives today. Yeah. Um, the director of the, the initial Broadway production, uh, Kenny Leon, he shared this idea that he wants everybody to see the play, but in particular, he wanted young people to see the play. Is that kind of a hope or a desire that you share as well? Yes. I mean, I, I, I think, again, so that folks can see like, well, here is this man that we all today see as an icon and how the main thrust of the play is that, well, you know, you're just a man. And that, I hope, would give others hope to say, well, you know, I could do something. I can have impact in my community. You know, folks should know there is adult language in the play. Sure. Uh, but, you know, that aside, I believe that the message is really that everybody can make a difference. You just have to, you know, pick up that baton and go out and do it. Tell me a little bit about the set because I'm, I'm picturing we're never leaving this hotel room. Um, are there elements in there that really let us know we're in 1968? Yeah, I mean, as as much as possible, we tried to recreate the actual room 306 uh, from the Lorraine Motel. So it it looks, you know, aside from changes that you have to make for it being on stage and to fill the, the theater, it looks very similar to, to the real thing. And I, I thought that was important to create the space because it – 
in a way actually plays it as a character in the play as much as the the two people that we get to meet. On that note, do you think this show works particularly well in that more intimate black box style venue that the art stage theater is? Not saying it couldn't be done on a bigger stage, but, you know, we're sort of eavesdropping on this intimate conversation and the intimate setting just, it seems well fit. Oh, yes. Well, it's great to be to be in that room and that space because you really do feel like, oh, I'm in the room mm-hmm. with them. You know, it presents some challenges because when folks are that close, then things have to be, you know, particularly well attended to as far as the details. And, the you know, the scenic crew has done just a fantastic job of making sure that everything is is on point. So I, I think for uh, I think it really makes for a very immersive experience for people, and uh, it contributes to the overall feeling that they hopefully will take away from the play. And, and again, going back to the playwright Katori Hall, she has said the audience is as much a character as the two actors on stage. What do you want audiences who come to see this production to be thinking about, challenged by, or, or discussing, perhaps long after they leave the theater? Oh, I, I think the messages that uh, that come out are things that folks will take away, that they'll be talking about a, a, over dessert and, and for weeks after. And I think that, yes, we do get a chance to, to hear Dr. King speak to us. And I think people, the, the audience last night actually was, was very engaged and responsive to that. So I think folks are hopefully going to going to take the messages of the play and think, well, now what can I do here in my community? All right. Well, that is uh, all the time we have for today's show, but I want to thank my guest. I've been speaking with Antley Valentine. He's director of Florida Repertory Theater's currently running production of Katori Hall's Olivier award-winning play, The Mountaintop. The show runs through January 14th with 7 p.m. performances on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Friday shows start at 8 or catch a 2 p.m. matinee on a Thursday, Saturday, or Sunday. For more information or to secure your tickets, visit floridarep.org. Ansley Valentine, thanks so much for taking the time. I can't wait to see the show. Thank you. If you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org gcl. Or you can subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO, Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida.